0: The fact that they all are martyred and go to their grave saying, Jesus is alive, Christ is risen, tells us that it wasn't a lie. Welcome to the Walk in Truth Minisode, a step closer, where Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics and questions about life from a Christian perspective. You'll also get a chance to get to know the team. Now, let's get into today's topic. Well, this is Pastor Michael Lance sitting with Joe Kelly, the final mini-sode on the resurrection. We'll call it (laughs) medium-sode because Joe and I are not short-winded. And this is such an important topic that, you know, to try to do it succinctly, I I think we've just kind of let the Spirit lead us, Joe, and it's been beautiful. And just to think about, you know, uh, in a short period of time, how much we can talk about, how many layers there are to this. Um, So I pray it's been a blessing to you. This is the final step closer on the resurrection for this time around. And we've talked about the definition of the resurrection, multiple attestation, multiple people experiencing the risen Christ. We talked about the origin of 1 Corinthians 15, how early it is and how it was a really a creed dating within three to five years of the actual events. We talked about James. The half brother of Jesus being converted after being a skeptic, Saul, the enemy of the gospel, being gloriously converted and giving, you know, obviously testimony to his own death of the risen Christ. And Joe, you began to touch on the transformation of the apostles, and we could talk about beyond the apostles as well. But let, let's talk about this. And you began to kind of uh, dig out this idea of the martyrdom of, uh, the key eyewitnesses. We can think of, for example, James, we think we've talked about Saul who became Paul. We can talk about, there is a line of, uh, of history that tells us that Peter was crucified, uh, upside down of all things. And, um, we have that from church history. So, you know, and then, then there's much more we could talk about, but let's, let's talk about this, this, uh, another line of evidence. Cause we've been, we've been talking about you know, the the power of the evidence and the power of the New Testament documents. And, you know, we're getting into the individuals now and we're, we're kind of fast forwarding to some uh, experiences of martyrdom. So let's talk about the power of that line of evidence. So you have, for example, Saul, uh, who became Paul, uh, we, we understand that he dies under the hand of Nero around uh, 68 AD, somewhere in there. So uh, he goes to his own personal demise, Peter as well, James as well, uh, saying, uh, essentially, I have met the risen Christ, I will not deny, and then they go to their personal deaths. And, and this has been repeated you know, many, many times over, sadly. What is the power of a testimony that is willing to die uh, in these kinds of cases?
1: Well, when I, think of, when I think of the skeptic, I wonder how they handle this. Because you, <clears throat> there's only two ways to think about the resurrection. Either it occurred or it didn't. If it didn't, we have an unbelievable hoax on our hands. And if we have an unbelievable hoax on our hands, we have the uh, greatest conspiracy that was ever conceived— and if it was a conspiracy, then what we know about conspiracies are is out the window. And what we know about conspiracies is when the heat gets turned up, those involved in the conspiracy, they start to talk, especially. Yes. Now, think about – and I remember reading Born Again by Chuck Colson. Yes. That's uh, exactly what I was thinking. Were of. you? Yes. Well, I'll let you tell that, that quick story because that came to mind.
0: Well, he was just talking about the Watergate scandal right. and how within a very short period of time, every, people. everybody was singing. Everybody was admitting. They're all pointing fingers at each other, yeah. trying
1: to save their own hide. Yes. Because they were trying to escape punishment. Yes. So think about these men who we know were afraid, who were hiding, right? Uh, basically hiding from the authorities. They were holed up. They were waiting. Um their lives were transformed, and now they were willing to proclaim a message that could lead to their deaths. And I talked a little bit last time about what Paul experienced even before death, the hardships. Yes. I mean, personal hardships. You think about shipwrecks, but you think about, he talked about being beaten and yes. scourged and whipped and you know mocked and made fun of. For a message- when And stoned as well. And stoned. <laughs> for a message that- the skeptic's going to say that he knew wasn't true?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Who would go to their death for a for a message that, that they knew was a lie?
0: Nobody recanted.
1: Yes. It does not make—it you, 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 doesn't make sense. Now, Satan Nobody said— Nobody recanted.
0: Satan said in the book of Job, skin for skin, all that a man has will he give in exchange for his life— this idea of human self-preservation. Self-preservation. Like, and and we know over the centuries of the church, there were people who did recant under pressure, later sure. believers, I would say. Yeah. And then the church didn't quite know what to do with them because then they repented of it. That's a whole different discussion. Right. But but for these key eyewitnesses, every one of them goes to their death without recanting. And sometimes people say, well, what about nine eleven when some guy maybe with a view of the afterlife, flies a plane into the you know, the tower buildings? Or what difference. about uh, someone strapping a bomb uh, you know, around their waist and, and saying, you know, I, I, I believe if I die doing this, I'm going to guarantee a spot you know, with pleasure or whatever. That, What's the difference between them and the apostles?
1: Yeah, the, the difference is significant. <clears throat> Certainly people who are convinced of, that what they believe is true— will be willing to die for that. So people will be willing to die for that which they believe to be true, i.e., a terrorist, any idea, any ideology where someone says, you recant what you believe or you're going to die. People will die for that. People are stubborn. They're convinced that what they believe is true. What they won't do, they won't die for something if they know they don't have to die they won't die for something that they know isn't true. Right. So while the terrorist who blows himself up believes that he's going to uh, have seventy-two virgins in paradise, he believes that's true. He's willing to die for that for what he gets in return. What we have with the followers of Jesus is different. Right. These lives were proclaiming a message that if they knew wasn't true, they would have never died. Yes. They are the ones that claim to experience Jesus, uh, the risen Lord. Yes. That's what was transformational for them. They experienced him alive from the dead. Yes. They didn't concoct a story. It wasn't a hallucination.
0: So you're saying if, if it were a legend, as some have put it, and they knew that they got together in some back smoky room and and made it up. Then they would have sung uh, clearly when their life when the sword is over your neck. Of course, but they the fact that they all are martyred and go to their grave saying Jesus is alive, Christ is risen, tells us that it wasn't a lie because they they would have admitted it right there with their life on the line. If they didn't believe in an afterlife, they didn't believe they stole the if they stole the body. uh, And this is one of the many so-called explanations, right, right? that the disciples stole the body. That's what the uh, enemies at that time said. Right. But they were actually hiding, as you mentioned earlier. So the fact that they go to their grave, uh, not recanting, saying Jesus is risen, telling people, you know, get saved as well. Stephen, even when he's being killed sees Jesus, asks the Lord to forgive uh, the perpetrators of it. So this is a powerful line of evidence. And you, you had mentioned, well, what does a skeptic do with this? I, w- I would ask, if you're a skeptic right now, what do you do with it? How do you explain that, given how we've, we've differentiated between maybe a terrorist or someone who has a, a false belief but believes it, as opposed to if they got it together in a back room, which is often what's talked about, and cooked up the story uh, they never would have gone to their death. So, Joe, that's very powerful. Let's go down one more um, line of transformation and martyrdom. You mentioned that there's other theories to try to explain. The empty tomb, uh, you know, maybe some of the other factors here. Uh, the disciple stealing the body was one that existed with the actual events. Um, what are what are a few others that you've heard of and how would you— uh, Uh, debunk them
1: well this goes back i think our first episode we we talked a little bit about the fact that you either have to have a natural explanation for the birth of the church and these transformed lives because historians don't deny that the disciples lives were transformed but if you deny that there are miracles you have to have a different story because you can't deny that story right So the different stories are things like the body was stolen, as you mentioned, which cannot account for the conviction the disciples had. Um, I went to a debate once years ago. Uh, The the philosopher-theologian, William Lane Craig, the Christian, his opponent was uh, arguing that Jesus had a twin. He was switched at birth. Mary wasn't really Jesus' mother. Those babies got mixed up, and the baby that she ended up receiving, Jesus, had a twin brother who happened upon the scene in Jerusalem at the time. (laughs) I mean, it's just—it's pretty ridiculous. So that's the twin theory, the hallucination theory. Yet, how do you account for everybody having a hallucination at the same time? How do you account for Paul saying that Jesus—and then he appeared to more than
0: 500—of whom most are still alive— Yes. Uh, right. Yeah, so a mass hallucination, no, mass, and no everybody hallucinates the same thing right. no, no at the thing. same time. Right. And then you get invited to ask them about it, and they're all going to give the same testimony. That's right. ridiculous. It just doesn't happen. But this shows how desperate the other side is to try to explain away are the desperate. early church and the explosion of the Christian faith in the Roman world, etc.
1: And the most probably the most prevalent or the one that gets regurgitated or sort of refashioned every once in a while is the apparent death. Theory. The swoon theory or Swoon something theory, something. apparent death, that Jesus never really died, yet he ends up in a tomb for three days uh, wrapped in uh, cloths and sort of embalmed with the, the spices of the day, yet emerges after all that blood loss, yeah. having his feet pierced like he could walk on his feet and he moves right. the stone and he's going to convince yes. the disciples that he's the risen.
0: <laughs> Not to mention the fact that John gives a testimony of the sword going into his the heart and blood and water come out. And, you know, he he does kind of a verification uh, testimony in that text of yes, John It is, and says, I bear witness to this. And, and basically – Uh, I've heard medical doctors say that's the penetrating of the pericardium. Right. And that basically the sack around the heart was destroyed. And and that's why the Roman soldiers did not break his legs because he was already dead. They would have not hesitated. That's what they did every day. These
1: guys were expert executioners. Right. They knew a dead body when they saw one. Yes.
0: So Jesus buried in the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea, which is another line of evidence we won't get to in this mini-sode. Um, and then, you know, uh, the tomb is sealed. And of course the, there's the rest of the story and, uh, the beauty of the power of the resurrected Christ. Well, here we are, we're on the verge of, uh, celebrating the events of Holy Week. And you know we, we have a chance to, uh, celebrate Good Friday as much as that's a bittersweet day, Jesus going into the tomb, uh, in honor of the, the idea of, uh, uh, some of the feasts that we're going to be talking about in church here—the uh, Feast of uh, unleavened bread, uh, feast of first fruits—so um, those are all incredible truths as well, which uh, we don't have time to get into. But and then Jesus, you know, goes into the tomb of Joseph of Arimathea. Nicodemus is there as well. Uh, and then early on that resurrection Sunday morning, what happens? Well, exactly what he said was going to happen: destroy this temple, my body. My physical body, soma, the Greek word, and in three days I will raise it again, and he did just that, Amen. and he lives, and he proved it by multiple appearances. You mentioned over five hundred at one time, and this is all in First Corinthians fifteen, anchored in that early uh, text we talked about. So, Joe, here we are. We're on the verge of uh, what we call the Easter season. Uh, we have, you know, a gospel that we know is good news to proclaim, including the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. If you had a final word to say to somebody, and you do, uh, to those who are listening who may be on the fence, maybe uh, someone's a brand new Christian, maybe a seasoned, uh, committed Christian that, you know, this is just kind of sharpening them on a few things they already knew. uh, How would you want to close this time?
1: I would want, well, for someone who uh, doesn't know, whether they're a believer or not, whether they're a follower of Christ, obviously if you have questions, I would say that you better do your due diligence because this, the resurrection is, as I said in the first episode, the most important event in human history. Because if it's true, every human who's ever lived their eternal destiny, their eternal uh, future— will be set in stone according to whether Jesus actually rose from the grave or not. And yes. if he did, we're accountable to him for who he was yes as the second person of the Godhead, Yes, as our prophet, priest, and king, as the one who could only atone for our sins, the only mediator between God yeah. the Father and man. Oh, Jesus so I'm
0: is. I want to piggyback on that just for a second, and then you can go to your second one. Jesus said there's going to be a resurrection to life and a resurrection to condemnation. He said all judgment's been given to the Son. So this is something that unbelievers may not think about, that the judge is Jesus. And so to deny the resurrection, to not confess Jesus as Lord, which we're not saying that you shouldn't do your homework, but uh, to, to reject that, ultimately you'll be standing before Jesus according to the New Testament. And he'll say, I never knew you, which is so sad. Mm-hmm. The flip side of that, uh, so you, you kind of talked about the skeptic and the unbeliever. The flip side of that, let's talk to a new Christian or a seasoned Christian, because there's so much hope in this. So uh, we want to hear, well done. We want to hear, enter into the joy of your your Lord. Um, how about that side of it?
1: Wow, uh, how encouraging have to think about no matter what I go through, I have to do a, I'm doing a memorial service next week and I know the family's not doing well, a family that lost a sister and a daughter and a mother. and I want to bring words of encouragement and healing and what greater encouragement than the fact that we have a future and we have a future because Jesus did rise from the dead he walked out of that cold stone-hewn grave site on his own two feet and he's to live forevermore and to draw us to himself and to live with him and enjoy him forever. And so that's what i would say to a young believer or you know someone new to the faith or who's going through a tough time. We have a hope. Yes. We are guaranteed uh, our own glorified bodies to live forever because of what he
0: did. So death does not have the final word Jesus does. And I think of the the song, because he lives, I can face tomorrow because he lives. All fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he Amen. lives. Well, Joe, it's been a great time to talk about this resurrection topic. It's such a beautiful, rich, powerful uh, topic. And it's been great to share it with you. Uh, the Lord's given you uh, a wonderful mind to think these things through and to think about a person who may be wrestling with some of these topics. And I, and I love how you said, you know, we're not trying to give people a panacea. Uh, we're, we're not saying, hey, just believe this because uh, it'll make you feel better. We're, we're saying you can anchor your hope. This hope is the anchor of your soul. So this has been an episode of uh, A Step Closer, a ministry of uh, Walk in Truth. And this is Pastor Michael Ann sitting here with Joe Kelly. We're so glad that you've been part of this podcast as we have gone a little deeper on the resurrection and talked about some of the evidences like defining our terms and the eyewitness accounts and multiple attestation and James and Saul and the transformation of the apostles and why would they die if they knew it was a lie and the implications of the the resurrection, and so much more. And we pray it's been a blessing for you. Hey, you can subscribe to this podcast. Do it today. Tell a friend about what you're hearing. And reach out to us at contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. Joe, I'll give you the final word, and you can close us out. How do you want to close it? Well, first of all, thank you for having me.
1: I hope you have me back. I've enjoyed it. I definitely will. I've enjoyed it. I'm sure you're going to get a lot of correspondence, maybe some additional questions that we can respond to. But I would say if if you have questions, if you're still searching, I would say keep searching. You're on the right path. Ask the Lord to open your eyes and your heart to the truth, and he will.
0: Before we go, if you've not met Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and, and perhaps this has been the, the topic, the push— the nudge from the Spirit, uh, to get you to that point. Today is the day of salvation. Won't you believe? Why are you going to wallow in unbelief anymore? Look, both of us would say to you, we know there are struggles, and uh, faith is not always an easy thing. And this is a tough world, and we we have an enemy, and we deal with our flesh, and we deal with doubts, and We don't want to paint a a picture that's not realistic here, but in the end, I think we'd both say when our heads hit the pillow at night, one of the reasons we sleep well is because of the evidence of the resurrection and the evidence of the resurrected Christ in our lives. If you don't know him as your Lord and Savior, and you would like to know him right now today, it is something this simple yet so profound. Lord Jesus, I believe that you came into this world and entered into our pain. Pray it if it's you. I believe that you lived the perfect life that I could never live and fulfilled the law. I believe that you died on that terrible cross, taking my punishment, taking the wrath of God in my place. I believe that you rose just like you said you would from the dead and defeated death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. I believe. I repent of my sin. I'm sorry for my idolatry, my wickedness, whatever you want to say to the Lord. Look, he's so gracious. He knows what we've done. I repent of it, and I ask you to be my Lord, my Savior, my God, my King. I want to follow you all the days of my life. Change me, Lord. Let me be born again to that living hope in the resurrected Christ My brother, my sister, he hears a prayer like that. And and I would just encourage you, get a hold of a Bible if you don't have one. If you've prayed that prayer, maybe you've been a prodigal and you've recommitted your life to Jesus Christ. Hey, get into the Word of God. Get into a healthy Bible teaching church. Start to serve the Lord. Use your life in service of the King. There's nothing better. I'm not saying it's always going to be easy, but I'm saying it's right. It's good. It's true. And if we can help you in any way with a walk with the Lord Jesus Christ, the same way we told you to reach out to us on other questions, you can reach out at contact at walkintruth.com. Email us, contact at walkintruth.com. Before you go, don't forget to subscribe. And we will be doing a future episode soon with a step closer here from Walk in Truth. We love you. We'll see you next time. God bless you. Thanks for listening to A Step Closer. Let us know your thoughts on today's topic. You can email us at contact at walkintruth.com. You can also let us know a topic or question you'd like us to answer and discuss. Again, email us at contact at walkintruth.com. Thank you, Joe. Amen. That went pretty good. Yeah, that was awesome. I uh, think we had.
1: I liked it. We had more than enough. <laughs> oh yeah, about. we could have kept going too. We could.